Well, hey, again, good morning. Uh, I just want to say, once again, a warm welcome uh, to everyone here. Uh, and for those of you uh, who might be joining us online today, uh, glad that you're with us. I've already said this once, but if you are new with us uh, today, thanks for being here uh, with us. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, and if you're returning back from summer vacation, uh, welcome back. We're, we're grateful that you, uh, that you made it back and hopefully they had a restful summer. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to be back here uh, with you as well after, uh, I guess, a, a pretty extensive break uh, from teaching. It's the longest that I've been off teaching for, oh my goodness, it's been years, maybe eight years. Um, and so uh, I was getting anxious, ready. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. And so um, uh, I'm here. I'm ready. But I um, already said this, but next week we begin the book of Second Peter. We'll be walking through that uh, book verse by verse. I didn't mention that before, but um, if you are newer to our gathering, uh, the way that we prefer to, to teach the Bible and, and to look at the Bible is to, is to open it up, uh, a book, and, and to, to just literally work through that book verse by verse. And so we'll begin uh, another book uh, next week in doing just that. Uh, we prefer to teach that way here at FBC. We believe that that leads to... Uh, Christ-centered, gospel-centered preaching, and so we're committed to that, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, but before we, we do get there, uh, to bring us into this new fall season, uh, I felt like God had really laid on my heart a specific message. Uh, today was almost going to be the beginning of Second Peter, but uh, that, that changed. I really felt like God leading me uh, back to a truth, uh, which is... I'll say a reminder of why we're all here. And so today, uh, I want to talk about our purpose. Uh, but more specifically, I want to talk to us today about our mission as God's people. And that is this, uh, that as followers of Jesus, simple truth today, uh, we are missionaries of the gospel. We are sent ones. See, here is what we know. Uh, that if you call yourself a Christian, being a sent one both gives definition to who you are, but also describes what you are supposed to be giving your life to. Now I know uh, for a lot of us here, uh, this is familiar. Um, if you have belonged to this gathering for any amount of time, uh, it should be familiar. Being sent on mission, it's on a banner over here, actually. It's, it's part of our vision statement. Uh, but I uh, believe God led me back to this truth once again, uh, just out of conviction of how easily distracted um, I can be and how easily distracted we all contend to be. You know, there is so much coming after our attention, isn't there? Uh, even seemingly good things. Like we have to pay the bills, after all. Uh, we have to take the time to get our house in order, uh, make sure that we have meals prepped throughout the week. Um, our kids have all of these needs that need attention. On top of that, we all know that work has its demands as well. Right? The boss at times wants us to stay late on the job. Uh, there are meetings that we have to attend, projects that are coming due for you students, papers to write, 
For the teachers here, there are papers to grade, endless amount of papers to grade. And then, because of all of life's high demands, uh, we feel like, we tend to feel like we owe ourselves time spent doing other things that we actually enjoy. And again, I'm not saying any of this is bad. This is just our reality. And so we set aside time in our days and weeks and months to go out and be with friends. We set aside times to do things like going to cafes or going to watch movies. We make the decision to take long, very long, extended holidays. We invest time and money, a lot of it, into resting, don't we? And if we're not careful, time can seem to just slip. It can just go. We can get caught up in just doing life. And before you know it, our lives just go by with sadly having very little spiritual impact on the world around us. And so today, I want to once again remind us of why we are actually here. To remind you that if, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, God has given you a mission He's given you a purpose. And it doesn't matter if you are a student, a teacher, a businessman, if you're here today as a doctor or or a lawyer, or if you're a stay-at-home mom or anything in between. To, To be a Christian is to be engaged in Jesus' mission of making disciples of the nations. To to be a Christian means to be a sent one. And so today, uh, we're talking about mission. Uh, I just want to take the time to look at God's heart today. And, and, and through this, my hope is to stir our affections more for Christ and, and to help us understand who we are so that we'll be more passionate about the plans and purposes that our King Jesus has for us. But before we do that, let me, let me pray for us. Let me pray. Uh, gracious Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to, to seek your truth, to, to seek you, Lord, to seek you, Jesus, the one who is truth. Uh, help us to, to know in a greater way who you are, Lord. Help us to be convicted by your word. Help us to be encouraged by it. Encouraged to live by it, to look like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to break down this idea of mission into three components. We could have done four, could have done six, could have done eight. Uh, we'll do three, okay? Three components today. And uh, we're just going to, I'm going to touch, the topic will be on the screen. I'm going to touch on that topic, and then I'll move to the next one. And they're all intertwined. You're going to you're going to see that. But essentially what we are doing today is, in some ways, we're doing an overview of the scriptures. We're looking at the narrative of God's story. I, I told you that we typically prefer to pick up passage, sometimes a long passage, a lot of times a short passage, break that down verse by verse. But today is a little bit more topical in nature. And so stick with me. I think uh, you're going to learn from it and, and I hope grow from it. But this is where we'll start. 
the first thing I want to address when it comes to mission is the maker. Uh, the maker of the mission. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. The maker of the mission. Uh, like I often like to do, uh, I want to start with who God is. I believe if we can have an understanding of who God is, it helps us understand who we are and then gives us an idea of what we're supposed to do. So we start with who God is. And I want to talk about, more specifically, what he is like or, or what he has done. Or maybe you could say what he's doing. As we work through the scriptures and God's story, um, it's pretty clear. You, it doesn't take too long for you to see that our God is a missionary God. That, that he is an ascending God. That he has something that he is about accomplishing. And, and we see this right from the very beginning. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that he actually starts by sending his words into existence to create all things that are. And then we read that he designs and sends image-bearing people into the earth who are meant to become God-glorifying, God-enjoying people. You see, God, from the very beginning, had a plan. He wanted a relationship with his people. Now, we know that they rebel, that human beings like you and I, we, we choose to live life on our own terms instead of God's terms. Adam and Eve do that, and so, therefore, they break the world, if you will. Sin and brokenness enters into the world that we live in. Brokenness with God is experienced. Brokenness with each other is experienced. And so, and so what does God do? Well, we read that he chooses one man. His name was Noah, and he sends Noah to proclaim his message. Noah tells people to turn back to God. Repent, come back, but what happens? No one listens. And so we read in Genesis 12 that God reaches down and places his hand on another man. His name was Abram, and God sends him to a new land to form a brand new people for himself. Well, we're quickly going through the story. Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so God has himself a people, but a conflict happens, and those people end up in slavery in Egypt. And so what does God do? Well, God sends, sends Moses to, to rescue his people And then Moses dies, and then God sends Joshua to deliver his people into the promised land. And then Joshua dies. God's people turn against him during that season, and so what does God do? He sends judges to continue to help rescue his people and to call the nation to return back to the Lord. Well, eventually what we learn and read, is that the people rebel so much that that they come to this place. Can you imagine? They say to God, we don't want you anymore. We don't want you as our king. We, We want a human leader instead. Just like the other nations, we want a human leader, a human king. 
And so, what does God do? In his grace, he sends kings to rule over them. But even those kings rebel. And so, God sends prophets to call the kings and to call the people to once again go back to him. And then, and then we read that there is this period of silence. Roughly 400 years, actually. And then, God sends a, a man named John. And John, as he's living out in the wilderness, he is teaching people about salvation. He's preaching. He's teaching this message of repentance. And then John sees this man named Jesus of Nazareth coming towards him. And he says this to anyone who would listen. He says this, Behold, the Lamb of God who has been sent here, he's come to take away the sin of the world. The sins of the whole world. That while we were still separated from God, experiencing brokenness with God, God sends Jesus to to live a perfect, sinless life in our place, on our behalf. God sends Jesus to rescue us from our brokenness, to save us from the penalty and power of sin by substituting himself on the cross and by raising him from the dead. And, and why? Why does God do that? Well, remember, because, because from the very beginning of God's story, he desired a relationship with us. And listen, it's, it's only when you and I see this, this big narrative, this, this grand epic story unfold from the scriptures, does it begin to make sense when Jesus went around Jerusalem saying the things that he did and, and, and teaching the ways that he taught? Like, like from the very beginning of his ministry, he, he went around. Remember, he, he goes to Peter. He finds Peter and some friends fishing, and he calls them. He says this, follow me, come follow me. But he doesn't stop there. He says what next? He says, and I'll make you fishers of men. Or when he assembles his inner circle together, the the 12 disciples who we know as the 12 apostles, when they come together, Mark chapter 3 tells us that he did this, that he, he gathered these individuals to himself. Why? So that they might be with him. But not only that, so that he might send them out. Or listen, when, when Jesus is praying to God the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's John chapter 17, he says this, he's praying to the Father, he says this, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. He's talking about us there. Or after his bodily resurrection from the dead, he dies on the cross. Three days later, he's buried in in a tomb. Three days later, he bodily resurrects from the dead. He says this to his followers. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending 
you. Sounds familiar. Are you catching the sense that God wants you and I to be involved in his story? If not, Mark chapter 16 makes it very clear. He says this, Go, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Those are his, some of his parting words. Go into the world, proclaim the gospel to the nations, to all of creation. And so hear me on this today. Jesus, we know clearly through the scriptures, Jesus has a mission. God has a mission. And God's mission, and God's mission has a people. And we call that the church. Which means to be part of his church, to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, means to be on mission with Jesus. Listen, for for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ this morning, we are sent ones. And so, what that means for us, for those who belong to Christ, is that our lives are so much more significant than how we often see or make of them. And it also means that the church, God's local church, is also so much more important and significant than what we often make of it. See, we don't gather here together just to sing some nice songs, to, to hopefully meet some nice, nice people to have conversations with. We are here. This is a gathering of missionaries, a gathering of sent ones. We have been sent by God to labor with him in creating a people for him in this city and the cities of this world. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathered here together. Our God is ascending God. And as his church, we are ascent people. And that reality should, should both change the way you see God, but also how you see yourself. And I guess you could say how we see a gathering like this, the maker of the mission. Well, then we move on to the message, the message of the mission, the message of the mission. At times, uh, throughout church history, this has gotten really confused, okay? And so listen, the the message of the mission, it's not, it's not ultimately, I would even say significantly, it's not about being really good people. It's not about uh, trying our best. It's not about creating a nice atmosphere with nice people. The message of the mission is the gospel. The the gospel, the, the good news that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost, to forgive our sin, and to restore our relationship with God. The gospel tells us that Jesus stood in our place, took our penalty for sin, so that 
God is now no longer against us, but God is for us. It's, it's incredible when you really think about it. It's amazing. Listen to this. The, the gospel is the good news. That by raising Jesus from the dead, God not only dealt with the penalty of sin that we deserve, but he also dealt with the power that sin holds over us so that we can actually overcome sin in our lives today. And and there's more. There's more good news. The gospel is the message that on a future day, we will ultimately be safe, not just from the penalty of sin, not just from the power of sin, but ultimately from the presence of sin. A future day when there will be no more death, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. So do you see why we call this good news? It's good news because through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, we can now belong to Jesus. We can be in a relationship with him as his new, set-apart, fully formed people. And if that wasn't enough, it's been a while since I preached. If that wasn't enough, what's so amazing about this message, this news, is that it just continually leads to more and more unimaginable great news for us. This is one of the reasons that the Apostle Paul talks about the excellencies of Christ. Or, or he would say, Uh, the unsearchable riches of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, in the gospel, there is no end to goodness. There is just overflowing blessings in regards to the realities of who we are and what we obtain through the gospel. Look, because of this message of the gospel, our guilt and shame has been dealt with, and will never count against us again. It's news that though we were once enemies of God, and though we were once spiritually dead in our sin, we were isolated, alone, without hope, without help, without purpose. Now in Jesus Christ, because of the gospel, stay with me, we are perfectly loved, perfectly adopted, perfectly accepted, and perfectly approved by the living God. It's good news that we can do nothing to make, us lo- to make him love us any more, and we can do nothing to make him love us any less. It's good news that we are saved by grace and by grace alone, apart from anything that we have done or anything we could ever do. We cannot prove ourselves to him. We cannot earn our merit or our place before him. We are saved only entirely, sheerly by the grace and radical mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ. See, there is no end. There's no end to the goodness of this message. And that's why, that's why going back to Paul, it's why the Apostle Paul, he would say things like, I have been put here. I'm here. My only purpose, I have been put here on this earth for the defense of the gospel. Or he would say, I'm here to fearlessly make known the mysteries 
of the gospel. In fact, elsewhere he says, I do not account, I do not account my life of any value whatsoever. I don't see my life as precious to myself as long as I get to testify to the grace of God. And these are, these are very strong words, aren't they? They seem bold. Perhaps to some, Paul even seems a little bit crazy here. I, I, I consider myself having no value other than I get to preach the gospel of grace. But think about this as, as well. These words are, are coming from a man who was beaten and, and, and whipped over and over and over and over again, left for dead. Another time, we, we know that, that the Jewish people literally, literally threw stones at him. And if that wasn't enough, they actually, after they crippled him to the ground, they put him at the bottom of a, of a cliff and they went to the top of that cliff and they took a large stone and they pushed it off the cliff and it hit his body, hit his head. We're told that Paul was left there unconscious, dead. And it's okay, Paul, now what do you think of the gospel? Now what do you have to say? And what was Paul's response? Looking up with with a bloodied face, scars all over his body, he would say this, I am not ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The point here is this. The gospel was such good news in the eyes and hearts of of a person like Paul that he literally, he literally could not help himself. He just had to share the gospel. And, And let me say this. I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that this is what happens and what should happen when we truly comprehend the glory of God and his gospel, that we become not ashamed of it, and we literally have to share it. I love how Leslie Newbegin, a missionary to India, worth you knowing, British theologian, he puts it this way. He says this, mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. The news that the rejected and crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It, it must be told. Who, who could be silent about such a fact? Our God is a sending God. He has a clearly defined mission. That, that mission has a message. That message is the gospel. And, and he has asked, God has asked us, his church, to join him in the mission of spreading this message. And then I'll close our time uh, together talking through our last point here, which is the means. The means of the mission. The means of the mission. And, and by that, I mean to answer, uh, how do we do this? How, how do we go about carrying this mission, carrying out this mission? Well, there are a number of different things. 
number of different things that I, I could say to this. Uh, actually, a few different directions I could have taken it. But I ultimately, I ultimately landed on uh, two, two how-tos, okay? Two how-tos for mission. And the majority of us, for the majority of us, the first one is obvious and probably expected. And that is this, that we do mission. We do mission by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We do mission by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's up at the top of that banner. We do mission by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we've worked through this talk today about God's mission, the message of the gospel, and us being his missionaries, sent ones, perhaps, perhaps for some of us here today, uh, you have this heavy heart, uh, this, this heavy feeling. And, and the reason for that. The reason for that is maybe, just maybe, because you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure that I can do this. My, you're saying, you're talking to me, you're saying, my whole life needs to be about the gospel. My whole life needs to be about sharing the good news. I don't know how to do that. And... I don't have the natural, natural ability to do that. And, and to you, there's a lot I would say, but I would most simply say, none of us do. Uh, welcome to the club. None of us just naturally lives our lives this way, which is why we need the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told his disciples this. He's about to ascend back to heaven to be with the Father. He says this, you, speaking to his disciples, you and I, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, or missionaries, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, he says this, if if you're going to be a part of my mission, which I want you to be. If you're going to be a sent people, you need help. You need power. And that power and help is going to come from the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And more, and more of the good news of the gospel is this, that when you and I place our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we actually receive the Holy Spirit and therefore the power that we need. And listen, this is, this is very critical. It's very important. Every time in the scriptures, every single time in the scriptures, when God puts his spirit on a person or on a people, it is always because he has a task for them. It is always because he has a purpose, because he has a mission, a plan for them, and we see that clearly in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for those of us who belong to Jesus. So we have the Spirit of God in us and with us. Why? For several reasons, but primarily for a specific task, and that is to help us be His missionaries, to help us to live 
as sent ones, which means, which means this, that you can stay in Korea or, or wherever you might call your home country. You can stay there or you can go to places like India or China or the Sudan or, or South America or wherever. Whether you stay or whether you go, the point is the same. You are sent. Because again, if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, that means that you are on mission with Jesus. So I wanted to, I wanted to at least start there. How do we carry out God's mission? How do we live as sent ones? Well, again, we rely on, we depend on the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and guides each and every one of us who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second how-to I want to share with you, and for this one, I have to be, I want to be honest, I, I wrestled with this uh, quite a bit. I wrestled with it quite a bit because there are so many good principles uh, that I want to share with you and that I, I could share with you about living on mission. I, I could have given you like a, a top 10 list or 10 tips for being sent or something, you know, could have done that. I could have talked about how important it is that as you share the gospel, you, you don't focus on winning an argument, but you, you focus on winning a person. I could have said that, that part of living as a missionary is, is building relationships. Actually, I, I believe Primarily, it's about building relationships. And, and part of building healthy relationships, especially with those who don't know Christ, means sharing your life with that person, which requires intentionality, but also requires sacrifice. Right? There are a lot of potentially good things to share here for this point, but at least for me, the most important thing for me to share is this. That if you want to live on mission with Jesus, if you want to live on mission with Jesus, the best place to start is to to live in the good of the gospel yourself. That's number two. If you want to be compelled to live on mission, if you want to live your life as a sent one, you have to learn to live in the good of the gospel for yourself. In other words, you need to get to know Jesus. And you need to get to know what he's done for you really, really, really well. Get to know the the radical grace and and love and mercy that that the Father offered you at the very point of salvation and, and continues to offer you every second of every single day. Listen, we, we all know this, and a lot of you have heard me say this before. We talk about what we care about. We, we talk about what we love most. Now, for some of us, that might be Jesus. But, but for others of us, it might be our next vacation, or our hobbies, or our work, or money, or the lack of money we have, or it might be our relationships. But here's the thing, and we know this. We're verbal people, right? All of us share we all share 
We're all talking about the things in life that we have decided for ourselves have the most significance, the most value, and the most worth, the things that are worthy of our time. And here's what I also know is true. It is very hard. It is very difficult to represent someone that you don't love and that you don't trust. And it's really hard to call somebody else to trust somebody that you don't fully trust. And so I would argue that oftentimes, oftentimes actually, our hesitancy to share the gospel with others lands squarely on this issue. That we don't actually, for ourselves, we don't, we don't share God enough because we don't trust God enough. So what do you do? Well, again, you, you practice living in the good of the gospel every single day. Practice being in a place of daily awe because of who God is and because of what God has done. And I believe if we can get there, what we will find is that we will much more naturally try to help others get to that place of awe as well. And honestly, that's mostly, mostly, primarily what evangelism is. It's helping people to be in awe of Jesus. It's helping people get their awe back of their creator, God. And, and by the way, that's primarily uh, the reason that we gather together as the church. We come together as the church, as the body of Jesus Christ, as God's ambassadors, his missionaries. Why? To return ourselves to the gospel, to come back to the gospel so that we can once again be in awe of him. The, the songs that we sing, the, the fellowship, our, our serving one another, the teaching of God's word, it's all about the gospel. It's all in hopes that our hearts would be moved towards a greater of understanding of how good Jesus is so that we will actually leave these doors. We go out these doors, down the steps, through the front, leave this place loving him more and having a greater sense of urgency to love other people as well. So perhaps a good question to ask of ourselves today is simply this. Am I in awe of Jesus? Am I in awe of, of, of Jesus? Am I in total awe of, of everything that he is and all that he's done for me? And, and if not, let me encourage you today to, again, to return to the gospel Return to the gospel. Go back to the scriptures. Go, go back to places like the parable of the 100 sheep. Do you remember that story? Jesus says that there was this shepherd. He tells a story. There was this shepherd who had 100 sheep. And unfortunately, one of those sheep, just, just one, one of them gets lost. They wander away, far, far away. And so the, the shepherd, the shepherd makes this seemingly crazy, radical decision to, to actually leave behind the 99 
He leaves behind the 99 sheep for the purpose of finding the one who is lost. You see, unlike the majority of animals in God's kingdom in our world, you have to understand sheep have no ability to find their way home. No ability. They can't. They need to be led to survive, to to live. They actually need guidance. They need a shepherd. Not only that, sheep actually have no way of defending themselves. In regards to defense, they are helpless. And so, as you enter back into the story, there's this one sheep who, who goes astray, and what that means for that, that particular sheep, what that means for that one who is lost, is that not only is he helpless, but he is actually hopeless simultaneously. And you need to understand a bit about shepherding culture. You've got to understand a, a bit about shepherding culture as well to get this point. But understand, there would be no shepherd, no shepherd in their right mind, who would leave a herd of, that is theirs, a herd of 99 sheep to go after just one. It's too much of a risk for the 99 who also need guidance, who also need help, right? So you, in this culture, you would just, the wise thing to do, the smart thing to do would be to just let that one go. Because that's what's best for the 99. But Jesus says the shepherd, this particular shepherd, goes after the one. That he so cares for that sheep that he goes looking. And and now, and now, if you will, imagine with me, imagine for just a moment that you are that one sheep. Because that's actually who you are. who I am. And you were lost, stuck, without help, without hope, no ability to save yourself, no ability to find your way back home, no pathway to security. But then suddenly, in a place of desperation, Suddenly, you see from around the, the corner, and it's, it's the shepherd. And he has come for you. He's come to help you. He's come to rescue you. He's come to take you back home to, to be with him, to keep you safe, to, to offer you security. This is what Jesus has done for us. He is our shepherd This, again, this is the gospel. And let me ask you, for that one sheep, for that one sheep, do you think, do you think that you need to convince that sheep to talk about his good shepherd when he arrived back at the flock? Do you think that 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 one sheep, do you think that he would need evangelism training before he goes out and talks about the shepherd? Do you think he would need a manual, an instruction booklet before he gets started? 
God, listen, God has been so kind to us, so gracious, so merciful, so loving. And look, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've wandered in here today as a lost sheep, and, and you didn't know that your shepherd was actually waiting for you. Maybe you've been waiting your whole life. You've been waiting for meaning and, and purpose And today, you've just heard the good news that Jesus Christ has come for you. He's come to save you. He's gone looking for you, that he wants to rescue you. All you have to do is just go to him. But for the rest of us here who already belong to Jesus, we know the gospel. And today, once again, you've been reminded of the gospel. And so what should you do? Well, first, again, be in awe of Jesus Christ. Be in awe of him. But then second, go. Go. Go tell others about your good shepherd. Listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus today, this actually... Please hear me. Please hear my heart here. This actually isn't a question to reflect on and to ponder. Like, hmm, should I go? Would that be good for me? Would that be wise for my life in this next stage? Is that going to get me to where I want to be in life? Should I live with Jesus as his missionary? Should I be a sent one? Right? There is, listen to me, there is no searching your heart on this one. There is no reason for reflection. There is no need for a conversation with your spouse tonight at the dinner table to decide if this is a good thing for your family. Not this time. If you are in Christ, if you are a true Christian, you are a sent one. So it's not, it is not, do I have room for God's mission in my life? It's not a question. The only question is, how do I rearrange the entirety of my life for his mission? The only question is, how can I most be used for God and by God for the gospel? That is your purpose. Are you with me? Our God is ascending God. He has a mission That mission has a message, the gospel. And he has set apart a people for himself, for this mission called the church. And he has given the church his spirit to reside in us and to work through us so that we can live our lives as sent ones. Freedom Village family, as we enter into this new season together, this fall season together, my prayer for us is that we would once again be in, find ourselves being in total awe of the person of Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. And, and why? Why? So that we can, yes, grow to, to be more like him, to, to look more like him, so that we will devote our lives more to him, but also so that we would dedicate our lives to helping other people do the same. 
that we would be passionate about this. That we would breathe this. That we would wake up every morning thinking, how can I better live my life on mission today for his purposes? How can I represent Christ as a sent one, no matter where I am or or what I'm doing today? Whether I'm on my way to work or at a coffee shop with a friend or eating a meal with a, a loved one or a family member who doesn't know Jesus, how can you represent Christ and share the gospel? We can do this together. I want to recommit myself to you to, to help you do this. I've thought deeply, even again this summer, how, how oh, I'm just so, how much love I have for Christ and the gospel, and how desperately I want you to know this truth. How desperately I don't want any one of you. to to be settled in your faith or to be a casual Christian, that we would come out of this season, it's been like two and a half years, that we would be so hungry and thirsty to gather together with the saints always. We would make it a priority that we would rearrange everything. Everything would be secondary to Jesus and his gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. It would all be about discipleship. That's what this place, this church is going to be about. I promise you that for, for as long as I'm here. We're going to do nothing, nothing but commit ourselves to making disciples. Helping equip you to be discipled so that you can go out and make disciples. And this year, I believe we're going to see, we're going to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not one, not two, but, but dozens. I believe that. But I cannot do this by myself. I need you. I need your help. And we need God. We can do this together. Let's commit ourselves to him. Let's commit ourselves to be people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's commit ourselves to be people who are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's commit ourselves to being sent ones. Because not it's a good idea. It's because that's who we are. We are sent ones. Amen? Let me pray for you.